Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. Prophecy is one of the most misunderstood, abused, and neglected realities of Scripture. In this episode, we offer a simple definition of prophecy and the framework for how biblical prophecy is expressed and fulfilled. Prophecy is a device for truth-telling, sometimes with large chronological gaps and incomplete circumstantial description. The truth of prophecy, we can surmise, is meant to transcend time and circumstance. All instances of prophecy in the Bible have a clear truth that they are trying to communicate. Yeah, obviously, if I, if I started trying to uh, cover all of Daniel, all of Zechariah, all of Ezekiel, all of Revelation, you know, we could go forever. So this is going to be topical. Today, what I'm going to do is introduce the whole subject of prophecy. And uh, it'll probably surprise you to know I'm going to take a little different uh, approach to it uh, than, I, than what has been typical in my experience. And uh, so, so this is the framing. What I'm going to be telling you here is how I'm going to approach any prophetic question. Um, so if, well, I'm going to do three things today. First thing I'm going to do is define what prophecy is. If you're going to talk about a subject, you know, I ought to be clear about what it is. And the second thing I'm going to do is describe a little bit about what I know about how it operates. And then the third thing I'm going to do is really focus in on the main point of this whole thing from my perspective is prophecy always has a main point. The main point's always really abundantly clear. And historically, people don't get the main point and they get distracted off on every other thing you can imagine. That, that's, that's kind of the main point of all this. So as we go through these prophetic questions... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that we should hold most of it with a very open hand because it's not intended for us to have conclusive knowledge about. And what we should focus in on is the main point, which is always just exceedingly abundantly clear. And for some reason, humans want to ignore that part and focus in on the other part. We're going to talk about that at length today. So first question is to define prophecy. Here's the the definition I'm going to propose. Prophecy is uh, God talking about stuff. How do you like that definition? Prophecy is God talking about stuff. And if you look in the Old Testament, uh, and and you have the prophets, the prophets talk about things. Give me some examples of stuff that prophets talked about. Destruction of Jerusalem. Destruction of Jerusalem. Okay, when's that going to happen? Okay, but when they were talking about it, was it a present or a future event? It was a future event. It was a future event, okay. So what kind of manner did they talk about future events? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's, is it real or is it, perspect, is it uh, possible? It's real, yeah. So when God talks about a future event, it's just real. It's just stuff that, that it's, it, it's, it's true. And to God, he's not bound by time, right? So when he's talking about a future event, he talks about it just like he's talking about a present event. It's just stuff that happens. Okay, what's some other stuff that God talks about in the prophetic books that's not future? Give me some examples. Obedience. Yeah, obedience. Like what kind of topic? Um, uh, following the commandments of Moses. 
Yeah, okay, yeah. You are not doing what I ask you to do. You're, you've got idols, and you need, to, you need to knock those idols down. You're robbing the wages of the poor. You're not doing justice. You're showing partiality to people. It's just stuff that's happening, and people don't like that because they're, they're being told stuff they don't want to hear, typically. Uh, Jonah. Jonah, Jonah had two, both messages, didn't he? He had, a, he had a present message about what was going on right now. What was that message? You're sinning. Yeah, you're sinning. And then the future part, I'm going to wipe you out unless you repent. So there we got, there we got an interesting thing, right? You got stuff that's, that's going to happen, but there's a decision point. And God says, you, you can choose the outcome of the future. If you do this, I'm going to do that. If you do this, I'm going to do that. So now we have multiple options being talked about. So prophecy is just God talking about stuff. That's, that's the definition of prophecy I'm going to work with. So uh, Now, in, in this particular uh, series, we're going to focus on God talking about stuff that's yet to happen. That's usually what people mean when they talk about prophecy, but that's not an exclusive definition. It's just God talking about stuff. Well, we're going to focus in on the future part, but he always tells us the future part for current application. So what we're going to do is not just uh, uh, titillate our you know, interest. We're, we're going to bring it back to the whole purpose of it. The big point's always something that has to do with now. What was the big point about uh, the Babylonian... Uh, Oh, we see you talked about Jerusalem. Well, well, it was Jerusalem. What, what was the big point about the Babylonian captivity and the destruction of Jerusalem? What, what did he want them to do? He wanted them to repent. He actually said, if you will honor your treaty with Babylon, I won't do this. If you'll honor your treaty with Babylon. But if you're going to trust in Egypt, then Babylon's going to come in and wipe you out. That was kind of Jeremiah's message. And, you know, they didn't listen. So it happened. So prophecy's God talking about stuff. That's point number one. Point number two, let's talk a little bit about how prophecy operates. And I'm going to focus on two things. You might have some other things you want to pitch in. But I'm going to focus on two things about uh, future prophecy, how future prophecy operates. Uh, And these, I think, are really important always to keep in mind when we're talking about prophetic type things. Uh, So, uh, first thing is that prophetic statements are not always chronologically linear. When we talk about the future, we tend to talk in terms of linear chronology. I'm going to go to the store, and then I'm going to go to the baseball game, and then I'm going to come home and mow the grass. Right? Isn't that how we usually talk about it? And if somebody said... um, I'm going to say, I'm going to take uh, Joe, who's uh, six, and let's say I'm going to take Joe to the, to the soccer game, and then I'm going to go to his high school graduation. What, what, what would automatically occur to you? He's six. There's a time gap in there, right? And would that sound odd to you? We usually don't talk about that way, right? That when we put these giant time gaps in there... But in prophecy, that happens all the time. Now, uh, to God, is that a big time gap? It's not that big of a time gap, right? So I'm going to show you the most extreme example I know of 
of a time gap, and it's in Luke 4.18. We'll start in 16. So he came, up, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And, when, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who are in the synagogue were fixed on him. He's good at drama. You see that? And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's pretty cool, huh? Well, let's go look at this passage. He's reading a prophetic passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pro- to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where he stopped. He stops right in the middle of a sentence. What's the rest of the sentence say? And the day of vengeance of our God. <laughs> he just stopped in the middle of a sentence. Now, when is the day of vengeance of our God going to be? What's, he, what's, that, what's that referring to? The second, yeah, the second coming. So he, he, just, he, he reads a verse, stops in the middle of a sentence, says, this is fulfilled in your hearing today, and the rest of the sentence is thousands of years in the future. So you would think it was odd if I said, I'm going to take Joe to the soccer game, then I'm going to go to his high school graduation, which would be 12 years in the future. This is thousands of years in the future. Okay. So when you read something that's prophetic, what do you always have to keep in mind? What's the point? There may be gaps. Okay. It's not chronologically linear necessarily. And what does that mean about trying to construct a very clear uh, analysis of the circumstances that are going to take place in the future. Very, very yeah, it's, it's, not, it's going to be very difficult. And if you lock in on that, you're going to miss some things, and we're going to see that uh, in spades here in a minute. Okay, so the first thing to understand about the way prophecy is, which we defined as God talking about stuff, uh, and it can be present, past, or future. We're going to focus on the future in this in this segment. So, first thing is God um, talking about stuff. That's prophecy. How it operates. The first thing about how it operates is it's not necessarily chronologically linear. There can be big gaps. Okay. The second thing about how it operates is that God often leaves stuff out. Let's look at Mark 4.11. We'll start in 10. But when he was alone, this Jesus, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you 
It has been given to show the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What's a mystery? Something you don't understand. Something that was not previously revealed. You watch a mystery movie and they give you little clues all the way through and then all of a sudden, boom! The piece of information you didn't know and now you understand it, right? So God reveals things in such a way that it's not clear what's happening to a lot of people. God withholds information. Paul calls the church what? A mystery. Okay? That wasn't revealed. He says... The prophets of old longed to understand this. And now it's being revealed, this great mystery. God didn't reveal it. So if God didn't reveal that, what does that tell us about the other stuff He's revealed, about what's yet to happen? It's prob- we can assume probably He hasn't told us everything about it, right? We're going to study some about the new earth, what the Bible tells us about the new earth. We don't have hardly any information on the new earth. Most of it's unknown. Well, I think we can make some really educated speculations about the new earth, but that's all they are. He tells us it's a really great place to be and we want to be there. We get the main point. And so, so the first point, prophecy is just God talking about stuff. The second point, uh, how it operates, the, just the two major things, and, and there's, much, there's a lot of other stuff. It's not necessarily chronologically linear and God leaves stuff out. Okay, He leaves stuff out. He doesn't talk about everything all at once. If He did talk about everything all at once, could we possibly understand any of it? Do you tell your, did you tell your kids everything at a young age? Like when they ask, where do babies come from? Did you tell them everything? Uh, the kids would ask in school. It gets easier eventually, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly yeah so and would you want to know kind of how your death is going to come about would you want to know that it's going to be on this day and happen that you man there's a lot of times information left out is greatly to our benefit great point tim okay so any other major point anybody wants to make about how prophecy works that's real important to you okay so I'm sure we'll triple cross other things as we go. But So God talking about stuff and not chronologically linear, and it's, He's leaving stuff out. Okay. So now the third point that I want to talk about is that the big points are always clear. When God talks about something prophetic, He always makes the main point, and anybody can understand it. And the other point about it is that people just tend to overlook that and go to building a system. Now, why would we want to do that? Give me some reasons why we would want to do that. Well, I do because it makes me feel comfortable. Well, why does it make you feel comfortable? I know what to expect. You know, that's great. When we have a set of circumstances or a set of rules, 
we automatically feel empowered because why? We can control it, exactly. I mean, your child, if when they're young, any child when they're young, the minute they hear a rule, what do they automatically start doing? Yeah, they start looking for loopholes, right? Immediately, it's just built in. So if we can know what the future circumstances are, then we can find a way around it. Now, how much sense does that make, really? God is going to build a system that we can manipulate to our own benefit. Really. We do tend to have very simplistic cause-effect explanations for things. Actually, in our culture, the politicians use this all the time. You know, I'm going to, this event is making that happen. And if you have any kind of systemic knowledge at all, you look at it and say, what? And people buy it because people prefer simple explanations. There's a really an amazing book that I've read. And uh, he actually, they've actually experimented on this that when there's a complex situation, people will substitute an easy problem for a hard problem because it makes them feel more comfortable. It's, it's kind of an established uh, uh, analysis that they have. So we tend to do this. But what God's trying to get us to do is go beyond that and see the big point. So as we do these prophetic questions, I'm going to do something that I, I is completely out of step with uh, what most of the prophetic stuff that I've heard. Most of the prophetic stuff I've heard is somebody has a very concrete, established system of sequence of events and they're defending that system and they're knocking down the, this guy's system that has a different sequence of events. And I think some things are pretty clear. Now we'll talk about that. And I think it's fun to talk about those things. But we don't want to do what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees really understood prophecy, and they had a lot of it right. And they had it so well set down in such a good system that they missed the point of the whole thing. And let's go look at that. Let's look at John chapter 5. We're going to spend most of the rest of our time in John. i would never really seen this before, but it seems that John kind of specializes on the topic of the Jews missing Jesus in the scriptures. John 5, let's start in 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you. It's real interesting. He's talking to people that knew the entire Bible by heart. They probably have known the entire Bible by heart since the age of 15 or so. Word for word. So their Awana's program wasn't choose one verse from this chapter and memorize it and then forget it two weeks later. Their Awana program was, okay, today, Tom, uh, we're going to do Deuteronomy. Go. (laughs) How would you like to be the listener for that program? (laughs) And then he says this amazing thing. You search the Scriptures. Now, that actually is a very complimentary uh, term, isn't it? How many people would be offended by Jesus saying to you, you search the Scriptures? That's very complimentary, don't you think? These people search the Scriptures. These were the people who really studied the Bible. Now, did they have a good reason to search the Scriptures? Because For in them you think you have eternal life. Anything wrong with that? Eternal life. Now... Remember, when you see the phrase eternal life, does not mean go to heaven when you die. 
only. Uh, for a Jew, that would have been presumed. You go to the the Jews came to Jesus and said, "What do you mean? We're children of Abraham. What do you mean, be born again? What What are you talking about? We're We're the chosen ones. It's automatic. They They, they didn't have a eternal security problem. They didn't have any. They had the other problem. And these are they which testify of me. So where's eternal life in the Scriptures? Jesus. Yeah, the Scriptures are pointing to Jesus. And I'm the means by which you get eternal life. And you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So I'm going to paraphrase this. You're searching the Scriptures, trying to get eternal life, and missing the whole point. You've totally missed the point. They got all kinds of things out of the Scriptures, didn't they? They got how to do Sabbath. They got uh, a whole list of uh, qualifications for the Messiah. But they missed the point. So as we talk about prophetic questions, uh, what we're going to try really hard to do is not miss the point. Prophecy's there for our benefit so we can know God. So we can have hope. Um, So we can repent. So we can understand the gravity of today's decisions. And we're given some information about what's actually going to happen. It's not there for us to construct a Lego deal that we can control. 44, it says on the road what, what is it? What is it again? Luke 24, 44. Okay. On the road to Emmaus, and he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then in verse 30, 46, he says, And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And I've looked through the law of Moses, through the Psalms, and through the prophets, and there's no literal verse that comes out and says the Messiah is going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead the third day. And so, and these people on the road to Emmaus would have been, like you said, very familiar with the scriptures on the literal level. Um, but, you know, perhaps he was talking about through the life of Joseph, through the lives of these people, the history of it, and that it, it's an allegory that the Messiah was going to die, rise from dead the third day. Because I, don't, I, I haven't found a verse that just comes out explicitly and says the Messiah is going to die. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. So if we've got uh, this big, big things like this, then maybe, some, maybe there's some mystery about what's in front of us too. Matter, matter of fact, I think we could expect that. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.